welcome back to the Midweek Debrief Season 2. I'm Jasper and I ride a black Triumph Scrambler 900. Here's how it sounds. I'm Jed and I ride a straight pipe Triumph Bonneville. Here's how it sounds. Join us each week as we catch up, discuss the latest headlines in the biking world, tackle a topic and answer your questions. We also have some exciting guest interviews lined up for this season, so stay tuned. This episode is brought to you by Motone Customs. If you're like us and you're always looking for the next custom part for your bike, Motone has loads on offer, from headlight to taillight and everything in between. With daily worldwide dispatch, Motone are here to cater for all your custom needs. Check out what's on offer at www.motone.co.uk. Welcome back to the Midweek Debrief. How are you, Jed? I'm good, I'm good. I had a very chilly ride over uh, this afternoon. You know, it's it's almost we had that brief spell of really warm weather about a week ago when we were up to sort of 14 degrees, 13, 14 degrees, and now my hands were numb again. What's happening? I know, it is cold again. But what's interesting is that we've only really got a couple more weeks until spring, technically. It is, it so is. So it's like the final push. We've just got to get through it. But it feels almost like there are some days where the sky is blue and it feels almost a bit like spring and people are out and about, more well, sunglasses, yeah. you know. I mean, saying how cold it was riding over, the sun was still shining and I think there's been some football matches on. So there was loads of people outside the pubs and it's it's starting to get that vibe of spring. Yeah, we love around. It. No, it's more than welcome. So that is good. Now, the big piece of news about what we've been up to is we went to the MCN show in London. Yes. What did you think of that? It was good, but... Again, if for those of you that listened to our episode last week with um, Dutch, his summary of what b- most bike shows are is very accurate. You know, yeah. sort of upper crust and for your choice of food and it, it's still just the new stuff and cheap tools and yeah. But saying that, it was still um, a good experience. Met some people, got some contacts and sat on a load of bikes. Yeah. Well, that was awesome. And a massive thanks to Triumph for having us. Yeah. And it was really cool because they had that, they had a drag strip going down the middle of the XL. That was cool. And some really cool bikes ripping up and down. But on the subject of bikes, were there any particular models that you sat on that were sort of memorable that you would be worth a mention? Yeah. So one that was really memorable for me, which is quite rogue, was um, that BMW R18. Yes, the cruiser. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With that the, was the handlebars that were about a meter wide. Yeah, so the, well, that's the eighteen hundred cc boxer twin BMW like cruiser. Yeah, cruiser. It's it's the first one. It's the first time I've seen one in flesh and sat on it. But it's such a strange because we, we both sat on it, didn't yeah. we? And it was like the bars were ultra wide. <laughs> it was like the feet were forward, and I just couldn't imagine riding it. No, it's like an American highway bike. Yeah, it's like you feel like you'd need two lanes just for yeah, yourself. To... Just for the bars. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so that was memorable. I also, of course, you've got to remember when you sit on a Panigale. Yeah, always. Um, so that was great. But one bike that really, really got my attention was the Tenere 700. Yes. Now, this is a bike that I feel as though universally is loved by most bikers even yeah. if people aren't willing to admit it 100 there's something that it, it's i think it's what it represents it's that freedom it's that adventure it's that on off road you ride for miles you can do know, anything yeah exactly a do anything bike yeah. and and there aren't many bikes out there that really have that accolade no i know i mean just you, you jump on it and you feel comfortable straight away 
you feel comfortable standing up, sitting down. You've got plenty of room for luggage, pillion. You've got the screen, which is going to protect you from the wind, so you can do those long journeys. And it just made me want one even more. I mean, it was both in both of our our sort of five and ten bike garage lineups from previous episodes. So yes, true. Now so, I just yeah. Quick question: So if you did have one, okay, a would you get the World Raid Twin Tank Edition uh, yeah. or the standard one? Like, say, budget is no option. That's tricky because the Twin Tank does give you a lot of options, but at the same time, you got more weight. So I think I'd go for the the normal option, the single tank. But there's a company that does like a retro kit for it. Oh yes, with a single headlight, and it it almost brings the new bike back in time. Yeah, and it just looks stunning. So that would be me, I think. Yeah, I, I do I do like that. I was watching a YouTube video just the other day about a guy that bought a I think it like a nineteen ninety nine or a two thousand Yamaha R one. Yeah. And then he bought a like a twenty twenty two CR Yamaha R one. And then he I'm only halfway through the video, it's long. Yeah. And he switches the engines, but he like basically keeps the the old one original but adds all the new parts like the headlights oh. and the dash and everything all the like the wiring loom and yeah, yeah, yeah. he adapts the frame and then to the new swing arm goes in etc wow. and it's quite cool the idea of having a bike that has old kind of historic nostalgic character but then modern reliability like it's bike, like yeah. ideal best of both worlds so, is, is. yeah the Tenere is a good a good um example of a bike you can definitely do that with now, on the subject of Ducati, I was reading my MCN newsletters. Now, there wasn't that much, there weren't many headlines in there because it was all about the show. Yeah, like, of course it was, yeah. You know, it's yeah. like, <laughs> there's no big bike news when the show is happening. But one thing that was interesting is that the Ducati Diavel V4 got uh, launched. Yeah, I saw that. Now, for those of you who don't know, previously it was a V-twin. The Diavel's like a, how would you describe it? It's, it's like a cruiser, but it's a like naked a bike. sports naked cruiser yeah. with a huge 300 cross-section rear tire yeah. it's quite bizarre almost like the rocket three it's that it's yeah it's on that same level yeah they're, they're, there's like the only two in that genre yeah anyway it used to have a big fat v-twin in it but now it's got the v4 from the panigale sort of detuned v4 which is still bonkers for that kind of oh, bike yeah insane amount of power but anyway ducati have now announced that all models coming out of the factory with more than 150 horsepower will be leaving with a v4 no which is quite a big commitment that is because there are some bikes that they currently have, such as, you know, the likes of the Hypermotards. Yeah. We all have V-Twins. And, you know, it'd be crazy to see a Hypermotard with, with a, a V4. V4. So, wow. I think it's quite interesting. That is really cool. And, and, and you know, a nice, another bold move-ish from a big manufacturer. It is, it is. So I think it'll be exciting to see what they do with that. And, you know, obviously, they've got the Panigale V4, the Diavel V4. And the Street Fighter. Street Fighter V4. And then the Multistrada V4. So there's already oh, yeah. four bikes from their lineup that have that. It's a sizable chunk. You haven't got many Yeah, there. it is. True. So we'll see what happens. Watch this space, I guess. Yeah. I think the show was good. Some interesting bikes and uh, can't complain. No. And then uh, just post-show for me, mm. I got a little package in the post from our good friends at Motone. Oh, okay. Here we go. Some bike upgrades. So, some bike upgrades, yeah. So the Bonneville needed a few things doing, um, some of which were essential, some not. Yeah. So what I've done is firstly rear caliper relocation so on the bonneville the caliper is located below the disc which is quite susceptible to being hit especially if you're off-roading and stuff and it's just i don't know why triumph put it there they should have put it on top originally so motone does the bracket which relocates the caliper to the top of the disc so i fitted that i've got new reservoir cap I have the union jacks and i've got the motone one much cleaner much sleeker i have the spun brushed uh billet aluminium fuel filler cap yep 
really nice bit of kit. It's really the knurling around the edge is really grippy and it's just it just feels good, nice and heavy. Mm. Um, and then I've also got new indicators all oh. around. Have you fitted them? So I've fitted the rear so far. Oh, okay. So I, I, I can't do. believe I have it. The bike's outside and I haven't even had a look yet. I'll have to look though. after this. Yeah, no, 100%. Um, so it's their Pico indicators. So they're very small. They're like bullet shaped. They're very weighty, made of metal. Um, good quality bits of kit. So the rear's on there, blinding. Mm. They're actually, because my indicators were shocking. You know how bad they were. Yeah, you, you really need that because at night, indicators that are half bright, they can be seen. But, you know, during they're, the day, you, you need... see them. Yeah, yeah. And I think on a bike, it's quite nice to have really bright indicators. There's yeah. something about it. Oh, yeah, definitely. So I'm hoping to get the fronts done at some point this week, maybe one evening. Yeah. And then I've got a few other... I've got a little clutch lever cover that goes by the engine case. Um, key ring and a mug. And oh, the mug yeah. is now probably the best one in my cupboard. Oh, come on. That's it's a, a good size mug oh, for a Best upgrade team. of the week. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I've got a few plans of mine, oh. but, 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 but we'll see. Wait, soon. watch this space, watch this space. I can't disclose anything yet. <laughs> now, moving on swiftly, our topic for this week is our crashes. Yes, of which we've both had a few. Well, we've both had enough to, to warrant putting an episode <laughs> on that, you know, talking about it. So, you know, here we go. I mean, crashing is one of those things that's just inevitable, isn't it? It's going to happen. On a bike, you can't. You can't be a biker and not... Even if it's just a small... It, yeah, it, it's, just, it's, it's, a, it's just a reality of being on a bike. Yeah, there's so many hazards out there on the road and stuff that you can't see and that you can't anticipate and you just don't have the protection that you do in a car. Yeah, for sure. And if you are a driver and that's, then that's all you do, you can, you can pretty much safely say, you know, I, I won't crash, I'm a, I'm a safe driver. Yeah. But on a bike, it's different because there are variables that you can't control. And I don't know very many bikers who haven't had a crash. No, neither do I. I also don't know many bikers who have had a crash and then have stopped biking. No, that's it. Unless it's been absolutely Unless horrific. it's been fatal, yeah. Yeah, fatal, yeah. <laughs> no, but it's it's true. I just, I just... Or it stops you from biking. Yeah, you know, most most people just get up and, and brush their knees that's off. It. and then it's Get back, back on the horse. Yeah, exactly. So I guess it's good to go back to the beginning. When was your first crash? What bike was it on? And what made you fall? Okay, so let's start this off. So my first bike, I just learned to ride probably been doing for about three or four weeks yeah and it was one of those pit bikes and how old are you so i was about 11 or 12 so yeah like i said hadn't been riding long one of those basically a honda crf 50 base with a 125 engine in it and i used to live in kent in the countryside and we just used to my neighbor and i ride this thing around the orchards all day long it didn't have a rear brake which for off-road you know is pretty essential yeah so i'd done a few laps came back around my neighbor jumped out like stop stop so instead of just shooting past him i panicked and just grabbed a handful of front brake yeah so the front tucked i went flying the bike went tumbling over me and that was sort of my first big off on a bike didn't stop me of course but yeah it's always in it, uh, yeah how did you feel when you came off you know your adrenaline's pumping through you and you just get up everything's happening so quickly and i saw the bike and the handlebars were all buckled had to buy a new pair of those levers and everything so that was the most gutting bit i think that i sort of ruined the weekend fun that we had yeah that is always the feeling mike the same the first crash i ever had was was actually quite similar so for me it was on a honda crf 100 little dirt bike and i was in mid wales with my father and one of his very good friends and Mm. his friend had created a small track up in the woods oh, cool. and the track was actually in the shape of a figure of eight which is not oh that's <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. so if, if you can imagine a figure of eight it means you've got bikes crossing 
So no one had ever really second guessed it. it was oh yeah it's a figure of eight you know just be careful kind of thing and we weren't tearing around i was only 10 or 11 at the time yeah. so it's fine and at this particular time a few of us were going around the circuit i was on the 100 i'm cruising and then i think i hit a pile of you know when you get those like wet dead ferns oh yeah i hit a pile Legal. of that front brake down i went and uh, my shifter lever mm. had hit a stone and it bent round like yours did at the malimar yes. last year and i remember getting up and I was fine. And I looked at the lever and I was like, no, it's broken. <laughs> so I called my dad and I was like, dad, I've broken the bike. Oh, I was, I was so gutted. I was like, it's, this yeah, is it. Yeah. Anyway, my dad's friend comes over and he chucks his bike on the floor and he's like, right, here we go. And he's got his gloves on. He's just whoosh, and he just bends the lever back into place. He's like, right, you're good to go. Bloody hell. And I was like, whoa. That takes some that was cool. doing. And then we were off again. And so, you know, that was my first one. It was like, the the feeling of dread like oh, i've ruined the weekend this is it i've broken the yeah. bike and then it's funny because when you're you know when you're super young you don't really understand that small little breakages like that and it's, it's nothing not, it's, the bike's not broken no it's you know a, it's 15 20 pounds to fix and you're away again yeah just exactly it straight so after that i then had you know i had a few other bulls off-road and standard yeah. things you know going around gravel tracks down steep bits and then hitting the front brake and yeah coming off and it's all pretty standard but i feel like coming off um when you're off-road isn't always that bad unless you're really no. pegging it yeah most of the time i mean i've had from that first crash to when i started riding on the road i had a share of probably i could count them on my hand of yep. crashes small crashes but you know it happens off-road you can be having it around a field and i was with one of my friends we had two two dirt bikes and we dug quite a nice rut in the bottom of this field and we were just piling into this rut yeah like a left-hand corner and eventually you end up getting the rut gets too deep and your foot peg digs in and the bike just goes to a halt and you end up going over the handlebars oh and, yeah um that's a classic but no good fun so you had your selection of crashes off road what was your first crash on the tarmac so first crash from tarmac first proper crash yeah was two summers ago on my suzuki sv650 okay it was a track day at Lyndon hill first session out so i'm really excited i had tire warmers on i was like yeah ready to go out the pits had 90 percent of the session done and there's one left hander at Lyndon hill it's like a 90 degree corner and if you go if you know follow the racing line you can pretty much have it around that corner back up the hill and so i did have it and yeah. uh, i had it too much Oh. And the front just tucked and the bike slid up the grass and I slid along. And it's quite funny because I'd had um, my intercom on with my mate and we were both chatting as we were riding the circuit. Oh, okay. So you're both in the same session. So we were both in the same session. And uh, he just heard this like rustling noise and he just heard me cursing. And it was the last lap. So he came back round past me and saw me sort of get up in the grass and dust myself off. And I think it was around May time that this happened. But... That was quite surreal because it didn't hurt as much as I would have expected. Because it was a low side, you essentially just dropped down. I just, I was in full leathers. So I just slid, got back up, picked the bike up. Again, it was the usual shifter lever, foot peg, bits and pieces. I had frame sliders and stuff on, crash protection. So the bike was, it fared quite well. Um, but that was my first real big road crash. Yeah. For those of, um, do you want to just explain to the viewers the difference between a high side and a low side crash? Yeah. For those who don't know, because those are the only two really That's, ways yeah. to crash apart from like a head-on collision, which yeah. is, you know. Yeah. So a low side is where the bike slides out from underneath you and gets away from you, essentially. And it's what, having lost the front end? Having lost the front end, yeah. Um, 
that's typically what causes a low side. And then a high side is normally, from what I've seen, lost traction of the rear end. Yeah. So the rear end gets away from you and then regains grip and, bucks and it you. bucks you off yeah. and it throws you high in the air. And some of these like MotoGP high sides like Mark Marquez and stuff like that, they're just, they're crazy. They are. And that and those are the crashes, aren't they, that normally cause the bike to spiral yeah, and, and tumble and properly, you know, yeah. it's like the one where you see just the kind of engine in the frame left, left. and then everything else is scattered. Yeah. Whereas, so you'd, you'd agree that you'd rather have a low side. Oh, 100% all yeah. day long. I know people that have had high sides and come away with broken collarbones yeah. and broken arms and it's a much more violent and much worse crash. So low side all day, every day. Yeah. Yeah. As long as you're not going to slide into anything and you've got a clip because, you know, I slid for probably about 30 meters yeah. on my on my ass. Yeah. Um. So yeah, somewhere like the TT you wouldn't want to have either because it yeah. could be a brick wall or a tree. Yeah, or, well said. Um. Now, what about yours? So my first crash on tarmac was, so I spent a year living in New Zealand. And when I went out there, I had bought myself a Kawasaki versus 650. Yeah. And I, if people have been listening right from the beginning, they, they would have heard a bit about that bike. So I won't talk about it anymore. But basically, it's a 650cc kind of adventure bike, but with mag wheels. It's not really like an off-roader. Yeah. But it's it's a kind of tall, upright seating position. Like a touring bike, kind of. A touring bike, yeah. Small front wheel. Yeah. Twin discs up front. And generally quite a fun bike. A really boring engine. I mean, they, they've they've said that that Kawasaki 650 engine from like the early 2000s is, is one of the most boring that's ever created. But really? very reliable. <laughs> yeah, but I didn't know that at the time. And, and to me, it was quite exciting. Yeah. And it felt fast. And... Anyway, I rode that for about four months. Absolutely loved it. It was really fun for bopping around and um, doing longer distances, yeah. etc. And often, I was at this point, I was staying up on the east coast in New Zealand, yeah. a place called Hawke's Bay. And I was working in a bar and very often on like a Sunday. And at this point, it's the summer. Yeah, I would just go out for a blast on a Sunday as, as bikers do. So oh, I yeah. put on the kit, go out for a blast, leave the panniers at the hostel, <laughs> and and hit the open road and you know what every biker knows is that you go on google maps you kind of zoom in and you find the most squiggly line and that's where you go set the waypoint quad lock in and off you go and then you find that and yeah. then you ride for a bit and so that's what i did and i'd ended up basically cruising into the middle of nowhere about an hour away from the, the really? town that i was staying in i was having a great time and anyway entered a right hander and it was sweeping around it just kept going round and round and round and round carrying too much pace coming in oh and it was at that moment where you just there's that split second of what what do what i do? do yeah yeah and i guess the right thing would have been to i don't know what the right thing would have been but anyway what i did was i i, I must have hit a bit of front brake and just went down front, like yeah. you exactly and the bike went tumbling i went sliding luckily i had all my kit on but one thing that i didn't have was like one piece of leathers or zip together leathers oh so because it was quite a steep downhill, I ended up sliding down backwards, head first. Oh. And so the leather, um, my jacket rolled up my back. No. And because it was so warm, I just had like a t-shirt under my jacket. I didn't have anything yeah. more protected than yeah, that. Yeah. And so it rolled up and my whole back got... Grazed. Grazed and filled with asphalt. Because oh. um, it was one of those like s slightly smaller country roads where it's more like gravelly. Gravelly, and, yeah. yeah. So you can imagine the pain. And... The only way I can describe it is that I hit the deck and it felt like such a strong hit because, you know, when you're cruising, everything's so smooth. It knocks the wind out of you. And it really does. You just hit the ground. It's like, whoa. I'd just overtaken like a pickup truck. 
yeah. about 100 meters before. So I knew that he'd be coming around the corner ASAP. So I kind of, I got up and my first thought was, oh my word, I've never been in so much pain. But it's that kind of pain that's like so severe that it's almost numb. Yeah. And so I kind of hobbled over to the bike. Like, and then you have this like Hulk strength in like, <laughs> with this, like red haze. Exactly. I was like, oh, picked it up. Like, even though it's facing downhill and kind of just like dragged it to the side of the road. And anyway, yeah. the pickup, the guy in the pickup comes rolling past and he's like, you're right, mate. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. All good. All good. And he's like, all right, see ya. And he just, he just cruised <laughs> on. You know, in reality, I should have said, no, I've, I've just had a crash. Da, da, da. But in the, you just, you have too in much moment, pride in the moment yeah. to, to do anything like that. And you always, you also just don't know you're that injured. No. Until about five minutes later when you start to. The adrenaline like, wears off and the yeah. pain creeps in. Yeah, exactly. And so I ended up calling a couple of friends and I was like, listen, I've had a crash. I think, you know, I'm going to need some assistance. Yeah. And then, you know, they quite rightly called the ambulance. And, and next, next thing I know, hello, this is so-and-so paramedics. We're on our way. We've got your location. And they turned up, but so did two police cars. Oh. Now, depending on who's asking, I may or may not have had the correct license or a license altogether. Yeah. Right. And so anyway, I get put in the back of this ambulance. The bike's on the side and the police officer comes in with a breathalyzer. Yeah. And he goes, hey, mate, we're going to have to breathalyze you. This is all standard procedure. I was like, yeah, you're right. So he breathalyzed me. I'm all good. Yeah. Yeah, Because it, you know, that was never going to be an issue. And then he says to me, uh, just one thing we've got to check. Have you got a full UK motorcycle license? He just asked me straight. Yeah. So I said, uh, yes, yes, officer. He goes, okay, cool. Gets back in his car and off he goes. Then, now the only, the last bit to the story is about two months later, once I'd recovered, because I had severe kind of um, bruising in my yeah. hip that just took ages to recover. And I couldn't walk properly for a while. And then I get a letter to my hostel because I'd given that to my address. Yeah. And uh it was from the police. It was one of these brown envelopes. Uh, anyway, I open it and I'd been given a hundred dollar fine and the offence that I'd committed was failing to stay within the bounds of the road. <laughs> that was the offence. So it's basically I'd 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 been fined for having a crash. Like but not staying on That's, the road. I didn't wow. I know. But I thought I you know given the circumstances I got away quite, got lightly. Away quite lightly. Yeah. Yeah. And what's interesting is that the last bit of last bit of the anecdote is that to this day i still have no sensitivity on my on my hip on my right side really but on like the skin level yeah so there's an area maybe the size of like two oranges yeah where i can scratch pinch you just can't feel and it. there's a zero sensitivity wow and i spoke to a doctor and they said that it does happen sometimes where if there's significant nerve damage over a big enough area yeah it's just like too much effort for the nerves to bring it back in Oh, so it just stays numb, yeah. essentially. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm yeah. still waiting for the sensitivity to come back. Um, well. So, yeah, there you have it. <laughs> so that was crash number one. A slightly long-winded story, but there you have it. I guess it's something a bit different. What, what was your crash after your track day one? So after my track day one, I had a small one on my SV on the road. I was coming back with some friends on other sort of sport sport bikes and stuff. Back from Ace Cafe one night through West London got a bit distracted and again front brake dab the front the lights i just saw brake lights in front of me dab the front brake and i think if i hadn't been on the painted line in the road yeah probably wouldn't have made a difference yeah. but yeah just the front tucked and it was only probably about two weeks after i'd had the track day one so my left hip was still bruised and i went down on it again 
And you, you know you can't lie in bed at night on that hip because it's still yeah. sore. Um, so that happened. And then the next sort of big one was on my bonnie. Oh, no. I know. So I was I was riding to Greenwich one day and single lane each way, solid traffic on my side of the road. So I'm filtering past the traffic and out of nowhere, car from a side road pulls out yeah. through the traffic. And I see it. I swerve to the right to try and avoid it. She's looking left for cars Classic. coming from her direction. So she didn't see me. And it was a high-sided transit van, so I couldn't see her pulling out of this side road. So I was just going in blind. So yeah, pulls out. I swerve to the right. And the front bumper of her Corsa or whatever it was catches the side of my... Lucky it didn't catch my foot. But it catches my foot peg and the shifter. And, and then it throws me almost like a high side. It throws me over the bike. So I tumble and roll get up i've taken like the whole bumper with me <laughs> off the front of her car that's such a good effort um so yeah i get up and i'm just cursing you know when you come off all you're thinking about is the bike like i didn't even think about myself i was just looking at my bike on the floor and i yeah. hadn't had the bonnie that long i had a few months and my new brand new bar and mirror was down the road oh, my no. tank was dented and no so i pushed it up onto the pavement and um this girl pulls over and she gets she's probably like early 20s she's quite young she gets out and she's shaking like a leaf. Yep. Like, honestly, she can barely talk. <laughs> she's absolutely shaking. So I was like, listen, I'm okay. <laughs> You're okay in your car. So it's fine. And then she starts crying. Like, oh, my God. So uh, long story short, um, I had ended up having to pay for her bumper. <laughs> what? No, I know. It was her fault, though. It was her. Well, it could be. It was her fault. She was pulling from a minor into a major. But And then after that, I sort of had the usual bruising but my i think i cracked a rib yeah i remember yeah breathing for probably two two months afterwards at least when i take a deep breath in i'd get this sharp pain in my ribs yeah so i'm pretty certain i cracked a rib okay so my next crash was on the scrambler so yeah. gutting gutting and this one was was actually reasonably serious i remember this one let me set the scene so it's april that kind of time of year so it's it's spring it's a thursday night I've had dinner at the bike shed with you and a few others, and we've had a good night. Haven't been on the beers, of course, because no, we're riding, and thank no, God we, we weren't. And it's a weeknight, and I'm cruising back from east to west, and I'm just getting green light, green light, green light, green light, yeah. and it's just one of those rides. The roads are empty. It's maybe 11.30 p.m. Yeah. The sky is clear. The roads are dry. Happy days. We're cruising, and it's yeah. just one of those ones. It's like, just got to get home. I've, um, I've, I've cruised past Harrods. I've then dropped down onto the old Brompton Road by south kensington yeah and from there that anyone knows that road it's just dead straight it's like traffic light traffic light yeah. you just cruise i'm aware that the sequencing of those traffic lights is such that if you do get caught at a red you don't get much time to get to the next light before it goes red so you get yeah. stopped at red 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 anyway so the first set of traffic lights which is where old brompton road meets queensgate mm. i'm cruising at a normal speed and then there's a bmw kind of saloon yeah. waiting to turn in across me the light goes amber and open the throttle a bit just but i was still you know within yeah. the speed limit, just to get through the amber and um it was like whoop the throttle opened and then the bmw pulls out oh, right in front of right you. across me it was like rear wheel locked up front wheel locked up and then just the impact straight into the side yeah t-bone he was exactly at a right angle to, to you what the direction that i was traveling and I've hit him. It's been such a sort of strong impact. It was one of those ones where the light went amber, throttle open. 
it was suddenly on the brakes and it was just it all happened so quick i just braced for impact it was one yeah. of those ones where it was like the primal instinct kicks in yeah and i just like held my arm strong i'm just like in we went now the first thing i remember was the bike going down so the bike went down to the left but i managed to kind of stay on my feet yeah it was one of those ones where i kind of whoo, I had the impact and then i kind of just like jumped in the air and the bike had kind of fallen and i'd kind of almost landed on my feet yeah it was the first time that i'd had a big crash since my kawasaki experience in new yeah. zealand and i remember just looking at myself up and down kind of looking at my hands and being like i'm okay yeah i was like oh my word i'm okay like this is surreal yeah and then looking down at the bike in a puddle of oil yeah and bad and going oh no and that and that's almost the worst bit that is gutting it's really gutting bearing in mind it's like 11 30 at night there were people leaving restaurants so the roads were kind of busy with pedestrians but quiet with cars yeah and so there were quite a few there were a couple of ladies that had screamed when the impact had happened because it's quite a loud bang Bang, you know when, when when there's a crash like that and then yet again in my red haze of adrenaline i just picked the bike up and I half picked it up and I just dragged it to the side of the road. It was like, you know, it just yeah, happened yeah, yeah. like that. Kind of lay it down on the floor. And I was like, it, it, it's just such a surreal headspace that you go into yeah. when you have these crashes. The driver get, pulls into the side and I'm looking at the car and I'm thinking, oh God, it's such a smart BMW. Like, I can't be more than six months old. It's like literally <laughs> brand new, this thing. And uh, anyway, the guy gets out and he doesn't basically doesn't speak a word of English. Yeah. And I look at the number plate. And the number plate is UKR1. So first thing I do is call the police because it's always the right thing to do, you know, at least when it hasn't been your fault. Yeah. Um, and so I call the police and say, look, I've been in an accident. Um, I'm fine. He's fine. And, you know, but I'm just logging it now that there's been a crash. Yeah. And so the guy on the other end's phone, he's like, okay, yeah, thank you very much. Uh, no one will be coming out to you because no one's injured. That's our policy, which I didn't know until then. Yeah. I thought the police had to come out because you'd be, breath- be breathalyzed and that stuff. So no police came to the scene, Yeah, which I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing, but it is what it is. Um, no ambulance came, but I said to the police officer, I said, can you just run the plate of the car just to check that yeah. all is fine? So he goes, yeah, yeah, no problem. What's the number plate? So I said, it's UKR1. He goes, oh, uh, hmm, we don't seem to have that registered to a vehicle on our system. And at this point, I'm thinking, oh, no, I'm in real trouble if this guy's, is he going to pull a runner? Like, what's like going to happen? Some sort of gangster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And there were definitely those vibes in the air. Um, anyway, to cut a long story short, it was the Ukrainian ambassador, uh, well, his chauffeur and the diplomatic car. Now, this is last April, and, and I think we were a week in from the Ukraine war that had yes, been announced. It had, yeah. So notwithstanding, the timing wasn't great ironically there were quite a few diplomatic police that drove past and they they slow down and this is the guys in the red van they slow down oh, yeah. they kind of wind down the window have a quick look and then they just drive on and it's bizarre isn't it yeah so no one stopped i was really i was looking at the bike and i was like oh, this is a real problem so both forks had snapped headlights smashed fork oil everywhere the radiator uh, the oil cooler was fine yeah it was just it was looking like a real mess basically the front end had just been destroyed but the miraculous thing was that you were essentially fine i was fine now what gear was i wearing so i was wearing normal jeans i was wearing like work boots i was wearing a leather jacket and an open face helmet yeah now that is not a good uniform if you're going to be in a head-on collision no i mean but first thing your face could have hit would be like the the roof of the yeah bmw but i was just completely fine now one thing that's really interesting is that it takes if you go and look at a bonnie's forks they're pretty sturdy it takes a lot of force to to break a set of forks and the reason they broke was because the 
BMW, I, th- I think it was armor plated because yeah. there was no damage to it whatsoever. You know, I'd hit the rear passenger door it was just on fine. the left side and it was completely fine. There was like a small little scratch. Wow. But that was it. So ended up being a really long night for me. You know, I had to get AA recovery and then they oh, turn up, you know, they turn up and they say, oh, well, we hadn't realized the forks, you know, had snapped. I don't think we're going to get it on the back of the thing. You know, we're going to oh. have to call a recovery vehicle and it's going to be an extra 300 quid. I'm just saying, no, we're getting it on the back of the yeah. thing. Like, we're, we're, you know, it's 3 a.m. It was a long road to recovery, at least from the bike's point of view. I was completely fine. Yeah. What's interesting is that sometimes when you have a crash like that and you think you're fine, you wake up the next morning. Oh, and all the aching. pain's there. Yeah. yeah, because it's that <laughs> yeah. adrenaline thing. But remarkably, I was completely fine. Yeah, you got off well. Bought a new scrambler, got the bits across, and that was that. I don't want to have another crash like that. It was, no, re- it was just really unpleasant. It's an eye opener, isn't it? Yeah, hundred percent. And I and I I drove so carefully that summer. Yeah, it's an eye opener. You just just how easily it can happen. Yeah, and life is so good when you're cruising, and it's just so terrible when you've had a crash. Yeah. It's like it, it couldn't oh, it be is. more 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 polar opposites in that sense. So that was that was the big crash. What yeah. was what? Have you had any crashes since on your body? So I've had a couple. They've been more um, environment related than any sort of rider error. Yeah. So I had one in, let me think, maybe October, October, November time. And we'd just been out shooting and I was riding home and there was like a T-junction by mine. And I, it was wet, it was wet anyway. So I was riding slow and I couldn't have been doing more than 10 miles an hour, 15 miles an hour yeah. around this right hand bend at this uh, traffic lights. Pulled away and the front just, disappeared from underneath me like gone didn't touch the brakes nothing so i'm quite convinced there was diesel spilled on the road because it was extra like i went and checked it with my boot afterwards it was almost like ice yeah really slick um so i came off then i sort of grazed my knee and bruised my elbow and did a few bits i think i trapped my throttle cables between the bars and the road mm. and it pinched them close so my throttle stuck fully open so i was lucky that I was only sort of five minutes ten minute walk from home so i pushed the bike home put it in the garage, put it on the paddock stand. I just looked at it and just thought, oh, here we go. Yeah, it's annoying. And you start looking, the more you look at it, the more damage you start to find. Yeah. And it would it only been a couple of months before that I changed my shifter lever from uh, the mile and then here it is again, broken. And I think, oh, yeah, that's the second one I've got to buy. So that happened. And then probably about a month later, I'd gone to Morgan Motorworks, Malay hosted an event, the one evening. Yep. Dry evening, rode there, perfectly fine with a friend we're riding back late at night it must have dropped a couple of degrees and i just come into this one corner again not going qu- quick 25 miles an hour yeah and there must have been ice or something because the front just went yeah and it's surreal because you see the bike sliding away from you and the sparks are flying and you're yep. you're on your back and uh there was like a central island and the bike sort of bounced off it oh, no. and i was like no because you know as soon as it hits something yep. it's going to be some sort of damage so I get up and I start cursing and whatever. And there's a guy behind me in like a, a Mercedes taxi. And he's like, oh, are you okay? Yeah, fine. So he goes, my friend comes back round and we're sort of looking at the bike and the back wheel is sort of sitting at a tilt. Oh, and I look man. and the, the caliper, rear caliper carrier that sits in like a groove on the swing arm had essentially knocked out the groove and it knocked my wheel out of alignment. My whole rear wheel was twisted. So I thought, I'm not going to ride this home. The rear wheel was locked on, essentially. Um, so we're sort of standing there puzzled. I had my little Oxford toolkit, which is enough to get you out of trouble, but not that sort of trouble. And eventually it was quite um, quite lucky, actually, because we managed to wave down, I think it was like a 24-hour drainage engineer or something. Yeah. In a van, waved him down. 
and he came and he pulled over and he's like, oh, what's the problem? So he had some tools in his van. So we managed to loosen up the rear wheel, get the caliper relocated, put it all back together so I could essentially ride it home. I had enough oh. shift lever left that I could change gears and, um, yeah, plodded the bike home from central London to east London, probably doing a top speed of about 20 miles an hour. Yeah, not taking any chances. Not taking any chances. Yeah, that's wise. Um, and again, wake up the next morning and it hadn't been long after that previous time. My, my knee was still healing from that crash the month before. Oh, it's a pattern, isn't there? And luckily, I think it was so icy that my jeans didn't rip. I just slid. Yeah. But I had this sort of yellowy purple bruise on the inside of my elbow. Mm. Um, and then I had to get loads of parts to fix the bike and another shift leave, even though I just replaced it the month before. And it was, oh, you know, it's just a big thing. But um, those were the two most recent ones on the Bonnie. Touch wood. Yeah. I've no, had one since. I, I've, so I've had one more since that I can I can talk about. I'll be I'll be quick. So it was on my Mutt 125. Yeah. I was coming around Hammersmith roundabout about a month ago. I was coming back from the gym early in the morning. Wet, no, not wet roads, but just sort of greasy. Greasy, yeah. Really cold. I just come piling into the corner. Not a, a serious speed, but just, you know, at the speed yeah. limit. And um, just down I went. Slide, sparks. Not fun. Right at home, ripped jeans. Not fun. Thank, Thankfully, it wasn't Scrambler. And just another one to add to the list. So I think what I find, especially after it's been icy and they've put the salt down, I think that makes the roads exceptionally greasy. Because yeah. now that it's rained... I've noticed that all the salt's been washed away. The roads are much better. Yeah, agreed. 100% agree. Well, what can we take away from this? I think <sighs> crashing is, is, is you have to see it as inevitable, but don't, you know, plan for it in the sense that kind of know what to do if it's going to happen. Yeah. Like you, you need to have like some form of scenario planning, especially when it's around town and there's busy people. And Yeah. Because um, pe- people don't help either. People don't help generally. Lots of people just don't know what to do. No. And... Your average person, if you can be prepared, it really pays because chances are the person that you crash into, especially when it's not your fault, won't have seen you. So it will come as a massive surprise to them yeah. when you hit them. And so they'll be in shock anyway because they've had a crash, but even more shock because it's a surprise exactly. that, that, that you've hit them. So if you can be kind of calm and not shaky and, and, and just be collected, then it helps massively to get things yeah. sorted. And also you then you don't run the risk of saying something you shouldn't because otherwise you can get Definitely. caught in a liability problem yeah so there's that you know wear protective gear if you can within reason but you know that's down to the individual level yeah i guess we'll just have to hope we don't have to do another one of these episodes i know yeah you this, know, is, um... this this will be it yes definitely but we never know now on that somber note let's move on to the engine guessing game let's do it i've got a slightly different one this week uh, okay I think it's I think it's potentially going to be really easy, but I'm just mixing it up. Okay, well, all right, here we go. No, <laughs> the kickstart. That's slow idle. Thoughts on that? That's a. It's definitely kickstart. It's an older bike. Yeah. V twin. Yeah. Is it something like a nineteen forties Harley? Bit it, later. Bit later. Okay. Is it like a shovel head? Yeah. Harley shovel head. Yeah. That idle is just so slow. I know. It's remarkable. Blah 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 blah. 
well good effort you're getting better at this game yeah no that's my, two weeks yeah. in a row where you've guessed it and i've you know well done that was no, that was good that was really good the kickstart yeah. gave it away i think okay um sorry about that no that's no, all good okay let's get my one up okay here we go <laughs> Well, um, I think like last week, it's a small capacity single. It's it's a single. It's a single. It's got that. It's quite revvy. Yeah. For a single, and it was it was winding up pretty quickly, which 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 suggests to me that it's it's a small single. It's aftermarket exhaust, right? Aftermarket exhaust, yeah. Okay. Oh, it's, it's there's there's not oh there's not masses to go off. I mean, is it Japanese single? It's a Japanese single, yeah. Okay. <clears throat> is it? A naked, naked supermoto, or or kind of something with clip-ons. Yeah, but I can't. So it could it could be one of those. I think it will be one of those. But for naked bikes, it's the MT07, which is parallel twin. It's the MT03, which is a twin. It's not the MT125. Yeah, so we can rule, we can rule that out. So it's not a naked bike. If it's a if it's a bike with clip-ons, it would it's it's those same engines. So you can probably rule those out as well. If it's a supermoto, think what a supermoto is before it's a supermoto. Ah, oh, it's a it's it's a YZ four fifty. <laughs> it is a YZ oh, four fifty. It's a motocross bike. <laughs> oh, it was so obvious, but I okay, that's Overthought exactly that what one. it is. Oh, I completely. I just overlooked the fact that it it would be. I'm I'm thinking road bikes. Road bikes. Okay, yeah. forgive me. Okay, well, but good effort. Right now, with with no further ado, Q and A. Q and A. Let's see what questions you've got for us this week. I think there's quite a few. Yeah, it's a good selection. Okay, Nick Busey says, are motorcycle boots that much better than leather boots like Dana or, I guess, Red Wings, etc.? Um, for me, it depends on your riding. I think, like, for example, like my TCX boots, the shin-high boots, I definitely feel a level of support that you won't get from, like, a pair of Red Wings or Doc Martens or whatever you're wearing. Yeah. Um, so if you're buying motorcycle boots like that, you're, they're definitely 100% better than any other boot. But if you're buying like an ankle boot that's a motor, like a motorcycle ankle boot, um, I don't think there's much. You know, Red Wings are thick, full grain leather. Yeah. They've got decent ankle support. You've got a good sole. I don't think there's a huge difference. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I agree. I think if you're wearing if you're wearing full motorcycle boots, expect full protection. If you're wearing like Dana stylish boots, expect expect less protection but more style. It's yeah, it's just it swings it's around. A yeah, exactly. So, um, it also is about what you find comfortable to ride in. Yeah, definitely. So I've got a good one for you from Scully Bar. It's a uh, Mutt Motorcycles. From your experience, how would you rate uh, rate reliability in the long term? Five years plus. Yeah, cool. Good question. I've had a Mutt for about five years, so I'm perfect to answer this. Uh, they're awesome. No issues. Yes, they are Chinese made, but they are practically a carbon copy of the Japanese uh, Suzuki ym125 so when it comes to reliability yeah no problems at all electrically they're not great because they're they are cheap like with any bike when it's low cost like you've got to expect kind of low production value when it comes to those types of parts and they cheap out on most other 
bits on the bike but when it comes to the engine which is the number one thing that you have to bear in mind when it comes to reliability yeah no problems I've, I've had no issues at all so yeah happy days okay now question for you okay so we've got some we've got talks moto asking turbo the bonnie question mark. turbo the bonnie would you ever consider that i think i'd have to buy another bonnie to turbo it yeah because um i don't think the scrambler style with the turbo on it it's just i think if i if i'd turned if i'd got like a thruxton uh full cafe racer style and then chucked a turbo on it that would be the way to go yeah 100 percent. because that thing would absolutely fly yeah it would rip how it feels to ride a motorcycle in london any issues yeah that is actually quite a good question so riding motorcycle in london is the in my opinion the best way to get around i personally can't stand driving in london i find no. it really frustrating i don't like sitting in traffic and especially when you've been on a bike when you then get back in the car you just want to filter in the car yeah. so I, I get I, I catch myself literally filtering in the car and yeah. it's not a good habit yeah riding in london's great it's a cheap way to get around it's a fun way to get around it's the best way to see the city you don't have to worry about traffic so you can get from A to B at any time of day and it's basically going to take the same amount of time. Exactly. That's useful. Any issues of riding in London? Well, uh, theft isn't ideal. Yeah. You, you you basically run the risk of anywhere you park it, kind of hoping and praying that it's going to be there when you come back to it. Uh, other issue is that, you know, potentially the potential for crashing yep. is quite significant as we uh, as we discussed today. Likewise, the bikes are quite exposed to the elements all the grit in the road and yeah all the things we've discussed it's just another thing to bear in mind like you can you can get away with driving a car for like three winters in a row never clean it and it'll be fine no exactly whereas with the bikes you can't say the same no definitely not but yeah riding a bike in london is is awesome highly recommended okay thoughts on the thruxton r as a first bike from 20 core thruxton r as a first bike i think if you can accept the riding position because again, the Thruxton R isn't from from standard. It's not like a full cafe racer slash sports bike riding. You know, the, the clip-ons are like riser clip-ons. Um, so you're still quite upright on the bike. But I think they're a great bike. I think these liquid-cooled Triumphs have really smooth power delivery and they've got traction control and ABS and they've got all the electronics that you need um, to make riding as easy as possible in, in all weather. So yeah, I think it's a great bike. If you can afford one, go for it. Yeah, quite right if you can afford one. Yeah, not, not a cheap first bike. They are but, not. Yeah. Um, let's see what we've got here. Okay, so best coffee stop for uh, riding in London. That's from the Knott's Bobber. Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, aside from the standard biker places that you can go, yeah. I would say the best coffee shops for biking in London are ones where you can park straight outside and yeah. ideally sit outside. Yes. So a coffee shop on a main road, not worth it. No. Like, if you've got to slap it on the double yellow line and there's buses and things oh, going you past, need that, yeah. forget about it. Yeah, you want to find a nice little coffee shop on, like, a dead end or a secluded road, somewhere that's not, yeah. like, a through road. Or even, like, you get these little squares in London where you'll get, like, a little cobbled, like, loading yeah. bay and you can just oh, slap perfect. it on the pavement. Perfect. So the, the, that's what I'd recommend. And, you know, whenever we go and have coffee, we always find a place where we just park them straight outside, sit by the window and... And, and yeah, and enjoy the all, view. Yeah, and it's all good, so... Yeah, that's, that's another really nice thing about riding in London. Okay, Reese Burnett is asking, with an unlimited budget, you have to buy one bike to own for the rest of your life. Mods allowed. One bike to own for the rest of my life. Um, if mods are allowed, then I'm assuming that you can convert this bike from street bike to scrambler to <laughs> yeah. whatever you want it to be, I suppose. I have to really think, but off just like my instinct go-to would be something like a 1200 scrambler 
Yeah. Because you could supermotor that if you wanted to. Yeah, you could. And it's great for it's big enough to off-road on, it's got the suspension, it's got um capability to take it touring. That twelve hundred six speed would take you anywhere. For me, that just the first bike like that is that's what I think of if I yeah. had to keep that for life. Yeah, I, I I agree. I think that's a really good choice. For me, it would be between that and the Tenere. Yeah. So, but they they both offer really quite similar things. So yeah, it's true. Yeah, I think that's that that's what I definitely go with. <clears throat> Should we uh, get one more in? What's a good one to end on? Oh, I'd actually had, uh, someone had messaged in. Oh, direct to the. Yes. Okay. So uh, Reese again, and I think it was just quite a cool question. It asked what we think of the YouTube series of Between the Hedges. I don't know if you've seen that on YouTube. I don't. Think so I it's an, so it's an Isle of Man uh, kind of documentary that they would have filmed last year, and they're releasing episodes kind of weekly at the moment. Yeah. And it's called Between the Hedges, and the idea is that you've you've got all the kind of best riders, and they're being interviewed with a bunch of B-roll uh, mm. from from the racing, and they get they they're asked all sorts of questions about their favorite corners on the track yeah. they get asked about what they do and don't like about it but anyway i've been watching it and it's really good so i'd recommend it to you and anyone listening you know we've talked loads about the isle of man yes and the tt on the pod so yeah definitely I'll worth, definitely uh, yeah check that out yeah it's 100%. worth having a look so yeah i think that just about does it does that wrap it up for this week's midweek debrief cheers guys thanks for listening <laughs>